Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from December 4th, 1982, taped on November 24th, 1982, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me this week, as he does each and every week, you know him, you love him, Mike Mills. Mike? I know Bob Roop is in the co-host chair, and you've been very vocal here on the show about your distaste for Bob Roop's commentary skills, but this is a really good episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Yeah, it's a good episode, and let me clarify. I'm so – you would think we choreographed this, but we didn't. Um, as you talk about Bob Roop, I, I want to say a couple of things because I've been kind of getting beat up on Twitter. Uh, not that I can't take the abuse, but I've been kind of getting beat up on Twitter from certain people about my thoughts on Bob Roop and his really? commentary and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. And 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 jokingly, there are a few people in the uh, Book in the Territory Facebook group as well who have given me a little bit of a hard time uh, behind Bob Roop, Travis Range, <clears throat> and Nick. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in in my Facebook group that have been giving me a hard time. Let, let me clarify. I, I don't. I think I've said this, Brian. I don't dislike Bob Roop. I, I I think he he was adequate. I just think it's one of those things in Mid South where. We kind of got used to, you know, a certain flavor of ice cream with, with Bill Watts, and we really enjoy Bill Watts on commentary because of how really good he is and his storytelling abilities. And whenever we get replacements such as Bob Roop, um, it just doesn't work as well. And and I just think the way it's the way kind of Bob talks that he doesn't draw me into the conversation that he's having throughout commentary. And he he's kind of like lackadaisical nonchalant with it and i understand part of that is he's a heel and it's not he's not horrible it's just not the flavor of ice cream that i prefer when it comes to my commentary in mid-south now again jim ross has come in and and i'm fine with him but again he's jim ross and we've had a couple of other people on commentary as well throughout the time we've done this show which is uh you know we're, we're we're basically Wow, I just realized we're we're pretty much at the one year mark, right? Yeah, of, I guess uh, so yeah, of, of doing this now because we start in December of eighty one. So um, it, we've we've seen a number of different commentators come in to Mid South during this time as guest commentators, as Boyd Pierce likes to say. Um, I just Bob Roop has just been the one who kind of it's like the nails on the chalkboard for me. He's not terrible. It's just he's not the flavor of ice cream I want or I like in commentary. So Nick and Travis. Thank you for your feedback and everyone else on Twitter who who's adding me and saying these things. And Bob's a nice guy and Bob's this and Bob's that. It's nothing personal. It's just that I don't know if I really like his commentary. With that said, I don't think he did a bad job this week. That could be a new T-shirt for you. Bob Roop is not my flavor of ice cream. It may take off. But anyway, he does an all right job this week. But let's get to the show. Let's get to the opening of this show because very quickly, Boyd Pierce and Bob Roop, go to Bill Watts, and then they come back out of it. We'll talk about all this right after we hear it. I'm Boyd Pierce, your host, and we have a lot of exciting action coming up. The Mid-South Tag Team Champions are here in the person of Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. They'll be taking on the popular duo of Mr. Olympia and Iron Mike Sharp. Stagger Lee is on this week's card. Also, King Cobra takes on the Ugandan warrior Kamala. There'll be a lot of action, but... You know, through the years, I've known Cowboy Bill Watts for a long, long time. In the ring and out of the ring, a fine personality, as you all know. But Bill always has time. A busy man seems like that's the one they call on. He always has time for the underprivileged children, the one that 
doesn't have the things a lot of us do, the blind, the people suffering from multiple cirrhosis, the handicapped, a great person inside the ring and out. We're going to show you Cowboy Bill Watts and the Shreveport American Legion as they make a donation presentation to the Irish McNeil Boys Club here in Shreveport. Let's watch it right now. Recently in Shreveport, at the Shreveport Municipal Auditorium, there was a very special wrestling program held, and the proceeds, or part of the proceeds from this program, went to aid Irish McNeil Sports for Boys, a very worthy organization indeed. And responsible for a great deal of that were the people at the American Legion. I'd like to introduce some people here to you. Mr. Jack Forsyth, who is commander of the Low McFarland Post Number 14 of the American Legion here in Shreveport, and Mr. Jerry Smith, president of the board of Irish McNeil's uh, Sports for Boys, and, of course, a man who needs no introduction, Mr. Cowboy Bill Watts of Mid-South Sports. Well, thank you, Reesers. Everybody knows we tape our weekly television program at the Irish McNeil Boys Club. And watching their operation over the period of time we've been here, we've seen what a tremendous job they've done in giving, providing a place for the young children and the, and, and the teenage and, and older people to work out, mostly in boxing, but it's provided a place and a way of keeping a lot of kids off the street. And this place is run by public donation and funding. And uh, talking to Jerry Smith, you know, we realized they had a need. Jack Forsyth, the post commander of the Low McFarland Post, who is the promoter of Mid-South Wrestling in Shreveport, when I explained the problem to him, he immediately took the ball and went to his committee, and they just said, let's get together and hold a uh, an event and designate the funding that the Shreveport Legion ordinarily gets from that event to the boys' club, and Mid-South decided to come up with a gift, too. And I have our checks enclosed here together, and, and the Legion's check was for $500, and Mid-South has donated $1,000. That makes me really proud to give this to Jerry Smith now and, and for Jack and the Legion Post and myself. Bill, we'd like to thank you and Jack both for everything you all have done for the Sports of Boys. It's been a great help to us, and we certainly appreciate this. This will go a long ways to helping some boy. And, Bill, I'd like to say it's always a pleasure working with Mid-South. As you know, Lomac Fallen Post 14, our motto is working for community services and children and youth. Thank you, gentlemen, and thank you, wrestling fans. A fine presentation there, and we're grateful for men such as Cowboy Bill Watson, our profession. Well, Boyd, let me interrupt you for a second. Up to this moment, I didn't think there was anything that I agreed with Bill Watts about, but I have to admit that that's a class act. I mean, underprivileged children need all the help they can get, and that's just a real classy way to behave. And that's the voice from our guest commentator of the week, Bob Roop. We'll tell about his qualifications later. Right now, the opening event is in the ring. Let's go for the introduction. All right, Mike. So there's several things to talk about coming out of there. First of all, let's talk about Boyd and Bob Roop. Boyd's in his brown suit again, and Roop is flamboyant again. He's got a gray jacket on, but he's got some sort of Weird design on his shirt underneath it. He's got his collar open. He's sweating. Looks like Party Man, Bob Roop here. Yeah, I don't know why he's sweating because if you notice the audience members, Brian, they're all, you know, wearing jackets and coats. And I'm going to I'm gonna guess that a pretty strong cold front came through Shreveport. And it's uh, pretty cold during this time of year, uh, which is not unusual, but it's also not very common. Uh, just, you know, sometimes it gets a, you get a little cold spell before it warms back up. But. Boyd is – not Boyd. Uh, Roop is sweating. He's got this butterfly collar, jacket busted wide open. Um, I can't tell what that is on the shirt. Could you make it out at all? I can't. No, I have no idea. Some sort of 
aerodynamic <laughs> design. I, I don't look, know what it is. I don't know either, man. But um, he's, you know, the thing about Roop, he looks so smug whenever he's on doing commentary because he's sitting there and he's, he's, he, you see how Boyd is like sitting up and he's, you know, looking professional. Man, Roop is just slouched over, leaning to one side, got the you know, hand on, on, on his thigh or hip left hand. And he's got the, the right arm as he slouched over to the right. He just looks like a straight prick, man. I don't know how else to say it. So, um, it is yeah. funny though. Boyd didn't introduce him. If you notice, they go right to here's what's on the show. And here's cowboy Bill Watts with Reese Bowden. And then they come out of it. And then Rook just jumps in and says that what Bill Watts did, he's a class act helping underprivileged children. But I don't think Bob Roop was ever introduced. He wasn't. That's a good point. I didn't realize it until you said it, but he did. He just he just blew right past it. Just he's here and he's doing his thing, and that's it. Yep, nailed it. The clip with Bill Watts and Reeser Bowden and the two gentlemen, one from the American Legion, Jack Forsyth, and Jerry Smith from the Irish MacNeils, as uh, Reeser Bowden pronounced it, Boys Club. When you saw that, and you saw that there was going to be a check presentation, in your wildest dreams, did you think that they were doing this for a fifteen hundred dollar check? Um, I know it's the early eighties and money went a little further back then than it does now, but I thought it would be 5,000 or 10,000. Hey, they're giving you 500, which is their share of the Mid-South show, which says something about the American Legion and their deal with Mid-South wrestling. And then we're going to give you a thousand dollars, $1,500. Yeah. You know, I guess I was too young and really couldn't process it the way I would now. I immediately thought when I watched it back though, I was like, Oh, so you had to one up and watch by just doubling it. You couldn't, you couldn't just match it. I don't know. I don't know what I was really like. I don't, back then, I don't know if I thought much of it. I just thought, oh, okay, it's like a charity move. But now, when you watch it, yeah, you probably wonder. It's like, man, Watts is a money printer back then, man. Could he give him a little bit more? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Then again, I don't know what. I don't know. I, I don't know enough to know about their business relationship uh, with the Irish McNeil to know if that was appropriate or should have been more or, or whatnot. I, at the end of the day, I feel bad being any in any way critical of it because I feel like something is always better than nothing. And, you know, Roop even said something that I thought, you know, and Roop even said he was, he was Watts as being classy. I don't know. I kind of, I always have a soft spot for uh, trying to do more for underprivileged people. So, and you got a lot of kids that come through this uh, club and, you know, anything that can help them out and um, staying out of trouble and living a better life and giving them a, not only living a better, better life, but giving them a, a good start in life is um, I, I, I got a soft spot for that. So I don't know if I want to be too critical on the 500 and a thousand, to be honest. But I, back then, I don't know what I thought of it. Now I just was kind of like, oh, OK, well, it's a kind gesture. It tells us a little bit about Irish McNeil's that we didn't know, or at least I didn't know that it was a organization this building here that they ran on donations. They didn't have any other source of income. So all the stuff that we've seen in the background on various episodes, the boxing rings, the people training, the weights, that's there, but it's not like they are a very profitable organization. They run purely on donations. So there certainly has to be some sort of deal with Mid-South and the Irish Mingo Boys Club to cover these television tapings, which I'm sure really helps them out. Oh, I would. God, that must have been huge for the territory back then. I mean, not just for the territory, but for the for the um, club, because 
I mean, you're talking about a promotion that's like white hot or I mean, maybe maybe not white hot at this point. I mean, they're going to have more profitable years coming up, but you're still talking about a pretty big promotion. And I mean, Watts is making good money with the territory at this point still. And heck, yeah, I mean, this had to be a tremendous boost for them. The other boost of it is, you know, you're this regional promotion and yet you're basically got a free commercial. I don't say free. You're you're a commercial. Every week there's a commercial for your club on Mid-South Television because it's being shot. How many times do you hear constantly Irish McNeil in every single episode of Mid-South? I mean, it, Watts says it often. Boyd says it often. Everybody, I mean, they, they say it often. We don't, we don't talk about it, but they always bring up where they're at and where they're taping. So, I mean, it, it's, um, that, that had to help them out tremendously as a, I guess, a nonprofit. Was there actually a guy in Shreveport, like, 50 years earlier, Irish McNeil. Uh, so we got a listener in Shreveport that always listens to us, and he's a good guy. He's been listening uh, for since day one. Uh, Chris Cepeda, if you have any information about that, because I think you might know, uh, get, let me know. Uh, tweet me or uh, post it in the BTC Facebook group. I'd be interested to know, um, you know who Irish McNeil was. Because honestly, Brian, I've never looked it up. Uh, I had, you know, I assume so, but who knows. Well, coming out of that opening segment, we get our first match. Stagger Lee versus Marty Lundy with Rick Ferreira as the referee. We get some thoughts from Bob Roop about Stagger Lee. Let's hear this right now. Well, thank you, Boyd. What a situation this is, you know, with the Stagger Lee. Uh, well, that looks... Ted DiBiase swears this is a junkyard dog, and I mean, the, the man uh, moves exactly like him, and DiBiase said that Mid-South is protecting... Uh, the junkyard dog because he's supposed to be suspended for 90 days. Oh, what a move. That clothesline, whoever it is, and it looks awful like whoever it is, is very effective using a lot of the same moves. But what a situation. The, the, like 45 minutes left, 45 days left on the time. Oh, one, two, three. What a situation, Boyd. Rick Ferreira, one, two, three, and the winner, Stagger Lee over Marty Lundy. King Cobra battles Kamala, the Ugandan warrior, after this message. Well, there it is. Some thoughts from Bob Roop as we go to the finish. A quick match. Stagger Lee defeating Marty Lundy with the thump. Any notes, Mike? No, you heard Bob Roop say, oh, that clothesline. Man, he he hooked Arn, what, Marty Lundy, <laughs> around the neck. And Arn just, it was like a slow bump, but... It looked pretty damn vicious with the way uh, he caught him with that clothesline. I wanted to mention that. Uh, that's why you heard Root pause there. He, it was it was pretty 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 nice little clothesline the way uh, Stagger Lee laid it in, and then and then uh, Marty Lundy sold it when he went down. We then go to our next match. It's Kamala with General Skandar Akbar and Friday versus King Cobra. Have you ever noticed, Mike, that each time he comes out, Friday has a different twist on his outfit? Either he's wearing pants or shorts or a different mask. He's always mixing up his outfit. <laughs> it's like his Mardi Gras time in New Orleans or something. I know they're, <laughs> but the way he's, uh, yeah, I, he's he's got to have a combination of like ten different things back there. I don't. I mean, we've seen him week after week now, and I haven't, you know, tracked every single week what he's wearing. But I mean, like the mask, the the the, the glove he's got on, like his right hand, the the jacket. The, the the shorts yeah he's he's switching up he, let me say this if he doesn't have a ton of things he's got like five or six different items and he's just switching them up for different combos each and every time now i'm not sure who the referee is here 
I put question mark. It's the guy who looks like Alfred Neely, I think, correct? Yeah, it's hard. Man, either my eyes and your eyes are playing tricks on us, or or this is Alfred Neely, and he for some reason looks different. Like, I don't know how to explain it for anyone who's um, not watching along, but the guy looks like Neely, but then he's really not when they show him up close. It's it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. And they don't say his name. They always say, and here's our match, referee Rick Ferreira, let's go to the Cowboy. You know, it's always something with the referee's name. They don't say who it is for these mystery matches with the mystery referee. But anyway, during right. this match, Bob Roop had some thoughts about a rumor going around. This plays into something later in the show about Ted DiBiase colluding with Akbar. Let's hear this. If he needs any added to what he's had the past few weeks. Well, that's right, Boyd. You know, while he's getting that stuff off, this kind of ties in. Rumor has it that Ted DiBiase is in collusion with Skander Akbar and taking mask off. Recently, uh, Kamala has been taking mask off, putting him on a spear, like sort of like trophies. And DiBiase is desperate to get the mask off to Stagger Lee. Because if, it's, if it is a junkyard dog, he'll be suspended for one year. He's only got 45 days left. Well, they hear it, an interesting little fact there. The rumor is that DiBiase and Akbar are working together and they're using Kamala to get the masks off all the masked wrestlers. I, I, hey, look, I can go with that. That sounds like a you know plausible explanation there, and they're they're both evil. You know, you think about DiBiase and how evil he is. So, uh, look, part of wrestling and storytelling is speculation, and why not add some fuel to the fire? Even if it's not true, it's something to speculate on. And as a fan, you're like, huh, I can see that happening. So. There's some there, there's some gold there. That's that's uh you know look I'll give Bob Roop some credit. There you go. There's Roop adding some commentary. That's not really commentary on the match, but he's uh, telling a little bit of a story as he uh, as he gives commentary this week. Kamala wins with two splashes on the King Cobra's back, and then he rolls him over for the pin. And then we get our next match: Yoshiaki Yatsu or Yoshiatsu here versus Mister Wrestling Two. And there is a lot going on here. Before the match even starts, Mr. Wrestling 2 has something to say. Let's hear this, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the red corner, at 256 pounds from Tokyo, Japan, Yoshi Yatsu. And in the blue corner, at 236 pounds from Atlanta, Georgia, the former North American heavyweight champion, Mr. Wrestling 2. Let me, let me just say one thing here, you know. I got one of these things a couple weeks ago. All of a sudden, I've got another one. I just want to take up a minute of your time here. And it says here, Mr. Wrestling, this is your true color. And it's got a yellow streak down my mask. Let me tell you something right now. I don't know who you are, but you are messing up my life, my family, and I don't like it. You're stepping on my toes, pal. And let me tell you something right now. If you've got any guts, come on out of the closet. Quit sending such goofy stuff as this and do it yourself if you think you're man enough. Well, you, of course, can see how Mr. Wrestling 2 gets upset about something like that. And you can bet something is going to happen. Well, there it is, a fired-up promo from Wrestling 2. And, of course, to deflate it, Reeser Bowden has to add his two cents there at the end. <laughs> 
Okay. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like as we talk about this promo that as you laugh cuz this is this is quite comical. I feel like what 2 does there is self-explanatory. I don't even know if I need to add anything to it. He's fired up and he tells whoever this is, come out of the closet and get you some of this and and it's on. But then we get Reeser who when two throws the mask or throws the mask down and a paper down, he looks at the camera and smirks. <laughs> and then at the end, which is funny, <laughs> he's just in in the whole and when two is another point in the promo where two says something and Risha looks up the camera and he does that little weird nod he does at the camera where he looks right into the camera like he's in on the joke or something. I, I don't know. You, tell me if you can explain that a little better, but. It's just kind. It's it's re. It's there's no other way to say it. It's just Reese Bowden being Reese, right? Right, Brian. Yeah, but we haven't had a good Reese moment on the show in a while. It's been a good little while since we've had him. One of those moments where something big is happening and he just takes the mic and starts doing his own commentary for no good reason. Well, and see, like, <laughs> yeah, and this is subtle, right? Because this is like, there's been times where he's been on the mic and he's vocal and. And whatnot, and where he where he'll say something, and and I think about you know I think about the promo you played on six oh five where Duggan is t- is laying it in the chavo and and you know he's talking about cockroaches and whatnot, and when Duggan comes in and he's singing and Risha's like singer eh you know he's like he adds a little bit of commentary to his smirkiness, in this he doesn't really say it's not what he says it's just the way he looks at the camera that you're like. Oh God, Reese! Oh, here we go again with the nodding at the camera when something fired up and important is being said, and he's firing off at the camera as he looks into it and nods and winks and shakes his head. It's it's very very amusing as Reese just cannot contain himself. And you've said this a million times, and I think Cornetta said it too. He must. It's amazing. He's he's. It's not like Watts was getting rid of him. I mean, we've watched him do this for a year now. He still must have been driving Watts nuts at times. Oh, when yeah. Watts would... oh yeah. Watts, but, but, Watts is backstage but, like, what is he doing now? But the thing is, Brian, he's keeping him around, though. It's not like he's... It, I mean, it's not like he's just getting rid of him at this point. I mean, he's going to be around for a while. So even though Watts may have been getting mad, it's not like he's he's like, oh, we got to fire this guy right now. Get him out of here. Goddamn, Risa. Here's the question. Another <laughs> Shreveport question. Did Reeser stay at KTBS after he left Mid-South Wrestling, or did he retire from KTBS and at the same time leave Mid-South Wrestling? Remind me of the exact year that he left, because I can't remember. He left in 1984, I believe. And I, I, remember, thinking, I, thought, I thought maybe 85, but yeah, okay. He was the booth announcer at KTBS uh, in Shreveport, which was the studio that they taped Mid-South Wrestling from, and then eventually they moved to the Irish and Boys Club in town. But he was the announcer at the station. My question is, did he retire at the station and then leave Mid-South, or did Mid-South get rid of him and then he still kept on at the station? I'm curious to know that, too. That would be that uh, uh, if anybody out there knows that remembers him from uh, from TV back in Shreveport. I'm curious. I, God, I was thinking you'd say I didn't even realize he left in 84. I really thought he was there through 85 because oh, I because no. I. Well, and I mean, even then, I mean, it's 82 right now. So that's saying he's basically there for another two years at this point, which, again, he's driving Watts up the wall and he's still got almost two years left in the promotion. If you think about it, it's it's just insane. A year and a half, I would say he has left. 
That's still 18 months, though, of, of him looking into the camera and smirking <laughs> when you've got serious. Because they, this is a serious promo from two. He's fired up and he's like, I'm sick of it. You know, I mean, I don't want to repeat everything he said because I think it was self-explanatory. And you just got Reeser nodding into the camera and winking and stuff when two saying these things. This is rather comical. Uh, we can laugh at it now, but I, I'll be damned. Watts had to be going, what the hell are you doing, Reeser? Well, the interview was a fiery one and really good one from Wrestling 2. Let's hear Bob Roop's thoughts on what Mr. Wrestling 2 had to say, as well as who is Stagger Lee. Rick Ferreira calls for the bell. Bob Roop, Richard Bowden is right. A man really upset behind that mask. Mr. Wrestling 2 against the Japanese star from Tokyo, Yoshi Yatsu. Well, I don't know what he was talking about there, boy. Apparently somebody's... Uh trying some psychological warfare on him, which uh, that's one way to attack an opponent, and he's, he's hard to attack from the front, let's face it. What a record the man has. An early going as part of this match, ooh, backdrop, caught him right off, took that 270-pound Japanese Olympic team member. Uh, he didn't do that in the, ooh, Yoshi went for a, looked like a side kick. Wrestling 2 has that agility. One last comment about that last, oh, nice hit there, about that last match with the Stagger Lee. Ted DiBiase has gone on record claiming that Charlie Lay, Mid-South, Grizzly Smith, that everybody knows that Stagger Lee is a junkyard dog. But Grizzly Smith told me, said, hey, they asked who the grappler was, who grappler two was, uh, and who was the man in the gorilla suit and all that, and it couldn't be proven until until the mask actually came off. So the same applies for Stagger Lee. If they can take the mask off, it's a junkyard dog. He will be suspended. Anything he won in the interim, any matches, any titles, or anything else will be forfeited. But it has to be proven. That's the standpoint of Mid-South, Charlie Lay, and uh, Grizzly Smith, and Ted DiBiase is just stuck uh, crying sour grapes. Well, there we hear a little bit from Bob Roop about wrestling, too. And, of course, the... Mystery of who is Stagger Lee, DiBiase insists that it's the Junkyard Dog, but no one else will confirm it. Just reinforcing what's already out there. Right, Mike? Yeah, I agree. It's just um, it's just kind of repeating. We, I said this uh, last couple of weeks. We've been through a lot with the promotion in the last month or so at this stage, and uh, he's just reinforcing what's been going on. Um, you know, nothing really much to, to add there. Let's now go to the finish of this match, and a lot goes on here. So we'll talk about it on the other side. And this is one of those times where I do wish Bill Watts was there because there's so much going on that not everything gets explained. So listen to this, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. But this is really, really hot stuff. You saw him pick this man up, this Japanese wrestler. Ooh, beautiful high knee, a short knee. Caught him coming, coming back again. Looked like he's in the ropes there. The audience going crazy. Oh, there it is. Kamala's on the scene now. Referee calling for the bell. Kamala. Calling for the bell. Kamala is in the ring. He's attacking wrestling, too, with those big chops. Attacking him. Going after him. The referee can't do anything. Big double chop. Goes for that splash. He's got him. He's going for the mask. Wrestling, too, has never been unmasked. This might be the first time. He's going after that mask. The audience is going crazy. He's going after that mask. It's, I can't see from here what it's Stagger Lee. He's in there. He's going after Kamala. Big punch. That big forearm. 
And as we try to calm things down and get our wits together, Bob Roop, we'll pause and be back with more action after this message. Okay, this is great stuff. And again, I wish it was Bill Watts. Again, nothing personal against Bob Roop, but even when Kamala first gets in there, it's just like, hey, Kamala's in the ring, not Kamala! Kamala's in there! You know, it would have been a big deal. He's attacking Mr. Wrestling 2. Good match, Wrestling 2 and Yoshiyatsu. And then Kamala runs in, attacks him. All hell breaks loose from there, Mike. Yeah, I thought it would. Yeah, I agree with you. If Watts is on commentary right here, this this is going to be a whole lot better than than what it comes out to be. But uh, Roof still does a good job. But Kamala, like you heard, it Kamala comes in, he attacks too, and then he starts going for the mag mask. Rick Ferrara, he calls for the DQ. Uh, Kamala, you know, is is still going after the mask, and then uh, Stagger Lee. He he comes out to save two, and he goes after Kamala, and he hits Kamala with a thump. And something huge happens here. Roop described it, but it point needs to be made. It's huge because Kamala gets slammed and hit with the thump, but he pretty much no-sells it. He, like, he goes down and stays down for maybe a second, and he gets right back up. So Kamala's looking real strong. And then Olympia has to come out and help Stagger Lee in two, um, Olympia drop kicks to uh, two, um, not two. Olympia drop kicks Kamala, but right before that, two hit Kamala with the big knee. Kamala staggered, but he didn't bump. And eventually, Kamala is squared up with two Stagger Lee and Olympia, and they're standing in the ring. And then Kamala eventually retreats. But the point of all of what you saw here was basically Kamala got hit by a couple of what we would call finishing moves right there. And he was still on his feet and he was strong. Now he retreated, but it was three on one before he retreated in Friday and, and them decided to call him off and say, come on, come out of the ring. Very, very good stuff. And Kamala looks strong right here. Super strong. First of all, the fans were going nuts. You have to watch yes. it to see them. They're screaming. They're jumping in the air, throwing their hands in the air. They're reacting to everything. And they reacted so big when Stagger Lee got 
Kamala up for the thump. You hear them really scream, and then he just pops back up. I mean, they're really getting him over big here. When he retreats, like you said, he actually carries Friday over his shoulder because Friday's been knocked out. So Kamala (laughs) just walks off holding Friday. One of those little Mid-South details I love, all of this is going down. Kamala's trying to get Wrestling 2's mask. Stagger Lee runs in. Mr. Olympia runs in. In the middle of all that, Yoshiyatsu gets up and goes after Wrestling 2 because they were the opponents. He has nothing to do with any of this, but it's one of those little Mid-South things where, like, this angle's going on, and, oh, look, Bob Stabler wants to get involved. You know, I hear all this is going on, and then Yoshiyatsu just gets up and charges Wrestling 2. I don't know why, but it's a little detail that I love there. Well, t- I mean, technically, he was wrestling him in the match, so it, it, I guess. But, yeah, and he he did roll in, and, and two's like, dude, get out of here. And, he you know, he bumps him, and, and he rolls out. But um, one other thing I want to mention about this. You know, in today's wrestling, you <sighs> music hits, and then somebody runs out. What was What was great about back then... And I'm not trying to sound like the old guy who yells at clouds because the Lord knows I'm not old. I mean, I'm not young, but I'm not old either. Um, The best part about this was when Kamala is first making his way to the ring, you know something is about to go down because of the fans' reaction. Before you even see him or the camera pans to him entering the ring from the side, the fans are yelling and screaming and pointing as two is in the ring wrestling with Yatsu. And that's like something I get it. We'll never go back to that because everything is so, com- I don't want to call it commercialized or what, but you know, everything's got the glitz and the glamor and it, it, the, 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 the steak has to sizzle a certain way now when it comes to big time wrestling, but it's just something to see where no music's playing. And again, I understand Stagger Lee has entrance music and JYD has entrance music. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the aspect of a run in is happening and you don't have somebody's music hits, the run-in happens, and the fan reaction is what the music is now. Like, the fact that the fans pop without music, it's just that they see a star coming about to jump one of their favorites, their heroes, and two, they react, and they're like, oh, my God, you know, they're pointing. You see them, and there's not a lot of people at Irish McNeil. I mean, we're not talking thousands of people here, but we're talking about a, a, a good number of people that see him coming, and they react. And they're boisterous and they're pointing it out and screaming and yelling. And then that that reaction just becomes more and more. Once Stagger Lee comes out, once Olympia comes out to make the save, you see it just repeat itself over and over. But all of that happened without, you know, the entrance music needed to be hit to cue such and such to come to the ring. You know what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah. People pop now for the music, not the person. And then once, right. the, once the music goes off, they're just sitting there. Right. And that's my point. It's like they, they they were actually reacting organically back then to what they were seeing and not being pre-programmed, which they are now to react to. Oh, damn, the music hit. Now let's react. It's just, you know, again, I know it's a different world. I don't want to sound like the, the, the old guy yelling at clouds and whatnot, but I just wanted to point that out that you see that here, a very small building, not a lot of not a ton of people, a couple hundred. But yet. The reaction is, oh, my God, Kamala's coming in and now he's trying to unmask him. And all of this, they react before you ever see Kamala or Friday, um, you know, coming down there. Just really, really good stuff. Well, coming out of that match, Mike, we get Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, versus Mr. Olympia and Iron Mike Sharp with the bootleg Alfred Neely as the referee. As this match gets going, Bob Roop has some questions. 
coming out of that last segment during that last match. Let's hear this right now. Plus that last situation, I call it a match, but that was a situation. You talk about questions being raised. Kamala on his own working for Akbar. Is Akbar maybe the one that was is doing the the, provoc- the prov- provocation of Wrestling 2 that Wrestling 2 made that Fury speech about? Uh, is Akbar the one behind that? Did he send Kamala? All those questions. Plus, Kamala went for Wrestling 2's mask, but I noticed he only hit him with one of those big splashes. Usually he uses two of them. If he had used to, could he have gone ahead to beat the man like in a regular match and go ahead and take his mask off? A lot of questions. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Bob Roop, he's right. There's a lot of questions coming out of that. Who's writing the notes to Wrestling 2? Is it Akbar on behalf of Kamala and DiBiase? What exactly is going on? We don't know. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. Like, the easy answer to who was stalking 2 and who was going after him mysteriously is Akbar and Kamala. Can we agree to that, Brian, you and I? Yes. So. That's the beauty of this, that we, oh, yeah, it's got to be them or it's DiBiase, but it can't be no one else. You're saying in your mind, like, nah, nobody else is going to do that. So uh, I thought a really good recap at the end of the day from Roop right there on what we saw and very, you know, Bill Watts-esque, I guess, because Watts would do that coming out of a previous segment like we saw. Now, Watts would probably add a little bit more to it, but uh, there you go. Good good job, Bob Roop. I, I, uh, I like what you did right there. Any thoughts on this match? Just a really good back-and-forth match. Once again, DiBiase and Bourne versus Olympia and Sharp. Four really good workers in there. I thought it was a good match. Oh, I thought it was real good. The crowd is hot for this one from the start. You know, Sharp had DiBiase and Bourne on the run when he hit both of them with, like, uh, two big backdrops. And, you know, then he had them on the run for a while. And DiBiase and Bourne, um, they're running for the longest time until until they finally kind of take control. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got you got – with Olympia and Sharp, you got two, you know, former state champions, and you got DiBiase, former North American champion, and Born. You got you, you got one. Well, I should have said it like that. Now that I look at it, you got four champions, or or four either current or former champions in there right now. So, um, yeah, damn good stuff from from these four. You look at it, you know, you're never gonna mistake Sharp during this era as like a megastar. But as we've talked about with him months and months ago, he had a really good run in Mid South. And he was much more than most people ever give him credit for. And and he's probably a mid-carder in the promotion. But yet, th- this is the type of talent you have at the mid-card that's, uh, that's solid with, with a guy like Sharp. But overall, just really good. Yeah, that's what I mean. They care about him, yeah. They care about him. And even though he's mid-card, it's not like that's an insult. It's just he's over and the people really like him. And it's not the rawr, Mike Sharp that you end up seeing in WWF years later. So anyway, uh, good. I uh, say all that to say four really talented guys here having a you know good good match with solid good work in it. Let's now hear the closing minutes of this match, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. DiBiase gave me gave him time to tag out. Now they really had an offensive against him, and look at this. They tired themselves out trying to beat Mike Sharp, and now Mr. Olympia's in there, and he is putting it to them. What a match. DiBiase, double slam. DiBiase, then born. Another back body drop. DiBiase has taken a lot of punishment, but that's why he's a champion. He can take it. 
In that case, reversal on a whip into the corner. Came out. Apparently, they knocked heads. Both men slow getting up. The referee counting both men. Gorn starts into the ring. The referee stops him. Here, here comes Mike Sharp. Oh, he was drawing him in. He was drawing him in, boy. That's an illegal move. Bourne came off the top rope illegally. Referee didn't see it. Good move. And gets a three count. DiBiase recovered, crawled on top, got a three count. They wanted the victory any way they could get it, legally or illegally, and they justified and gained that victory for the Mid-South Tag Team Champions. We'll be back after this message from Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there you hear it, Mike. The bomb's away behind the referee's back, and boy, it looks so good every time Matt Bourne does it. He gets such height, such a cool-looking move, that no one else has really done, other than his father. No one else has really done it as well as Matt Bourne does, but here he does it here behind the referee's back. Any thoughts or notes about the closing moments of this match? I like that finisher. I mean, the thing about that is it's not easy to do where you – you know, can come off and not kill someone. I mean, you're literally, you're jumping off the top rope. You're, you're sitting on their chest, but you got to land to a point where you actually take some of that brunt, obviously with your thighs and legs and not kill a man. And it just looks really good the way they did it. You know, Bourne draws in sharp. And then as the ref is trying to fight sharp to get him back on the outside, his back's turned, Bourne hits him with the, the bombs away and, when the ref turns around, DiBiase's there to pin Olympia, and the tag champs win the match. Really good stuff. I, I, I again, just like you, I really like that finish. I like Bourne's finisher, man. That, that's a, that's really good stuff. I wonder how many people who saw that years later in uh, the WWF, you know, realized he, he had been doing this for doing that move for so long. Yeah, how did it not kill his knees? It's a that's a rough move to do. It's just he's coming off the top rope and he's he's sitting on a man's chest. It's um that's he's taking a lot on his, you know, feet, ankles, knees, thighs, that 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 move, you know, to to not kill whoever he comes down on. So but it looks, you know, Brian, you just said it when you threw it to me. It looks impressive. It's it's a really good finishing move. And I, does any I don't know if I've really seen many people do that even today. You know, I mean, I know Finn Balor does a, the stomp on the, the, somebody's chest, but I you don't ever see anybody do uh, Matt, Matt Bourne's finisher. No, someone should try it. But coming out of this match, Mike, we get a match from Houston, Texas, November 19th, 1982, with Paul Bosch on commentary. Chavo Guerrero beating Bobby Jaggers with a Rana. I think it's just a Rana when the guy's standing still and you do it. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? The only thing I have from it, you know, being that it's from Channel 39 in Houston with, with Bosch calling the action is in the context of 1982, I thought this was good. You know, we get to see what's going on in Houston. And anytime you saw something different like this as a kid, I've said this before, uh, it really meant something because you don't have cable. You know, you don't you don't have all these stations where you can find wrestling everywhere. At least I didn't. So when I saw this. I was impressed. Um, as I've said before, whenever we kind of see these types of matches from Houston or in other places, when they would show various clips from other places, we I think we've seen stuff from Florida, Georgia, and, and Georgia, and um, a little Southwest at this point. So yeah, it, this was always a treat whenever you saw something from another company, or not, not only another company, but another promotion, in another area. I'll save my thoughts on Paul Bosch's commentary because I think we're going to talk a little bit about that next week when he joins commentary. Coming out of that match, we get another match 
Leilani Kai versus Princess Victoria with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Do you have any notes about this match, Mike? Well, the only thing I had from this is Boyd calls Princess Victoria the little Indian princess who has more hair in her pigtails than I have on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Which I uh, I got a little chuckle out of that. And um, Bob Roop goes on a crusade at some point in the match talking about um, women and being able to do more than just play ping pong and um, a few other various sports. Uh he was trying to be progressive as he talked about it. But when you listen to it in 1982, he's like, uh, okay, um, I guess I'll go with it. Um, but yeah, n- that's all I had from that. Me too. Princess Victoria wins with a cross body off the second rope. And then we get our final match this week. Hacksaw Duggan, the Louisiana state champion versus Mike Bond with the mystery referee. Hacksaw Duggan wins with a spear. And we're actually going to play a little bit of audio here, Mike. This is Jim Duggan after the match coming over to talk to Boyd Pierce and Bob Roop. And then the close of the show, let's hear this and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's Duggan. That's with two G's. So you can call it Duggan or Duggan, whichever way you like. A lot of time we refer to it in different manners, but it can be either way. Dugan with two G's or Duggan, and he makes his way to our way. Something very wrong. I tell you, boy, Pierce, and you know too, Luke, Atlas don't have the guts to show his stinking face up here, right? How come Tony Atlas isn't here tonight, huh? I want to know where that devil's word is. I'll tell you why Tony Atlas isn't here. They don't have the guts. Next time, Tony Atlas shows up in this ring. I want a match with him. You understand? Hacksaw Duggan wants a match with Tony Atlas. Next time he shows his ugly face in mid-south of TV, I want him. I want him in that ring. And I'm going to tear you a new... Now you hear Hacksaw Jim Duggan as he carried his campaign over. Earlier when he first came into the ring, Teresa Bowden, we could hear him over the ring microphone that he wants Mr. USA Tony Atlas. We've told you that next week, Mr. At- USA Tony Atlas will be here. Now, whether he has a match with Jim Duggan, I have no power or control over that, but he will be here next week. Popper Chavo Guerrero will return, and gorgeous Gino Hernandez. Bob Roop, we hope that the inevitable eminent Paul Bosch, the promoter, a long time of the best of Texas wrestling in Houston, will be here. We appreciate your expert commentary this week as our guest commentator. A job well done. We appreciate you sticking to the facts, not promoting yourself. Not using it as a sounding board, and I know the fan at home appreciate it. Thank you, Boyd. What a program. And, what a ladies program. and gentlemen, you're responsible for making it what a program. We thank you so much for watching us every week. We're grateful to each one of you. Until next week at the same time, same channel, Boyd Pearson. Goodbye for Mid-South Wrestling. And there it is, the wrap-up of the show coming out of that Jim Duggan match. Mike, did you have any thoughts or notes about Jim Duggan? I mean, once again, he's one of the highlights of the show. He's so entertaining, even though he's a heel that you can tell even the fans are really starting to get a kick out of him. He's very, he's very, very animated. He's, he's, he's on an, he's on another level when it comes to just wanting to go out there and put on a show. And, but at the end of the day, he's also believable. And we've had that discussion before. I, I Duggan in mid South is, is a treasure. He's a treat. And I, I can't emphasize that enough. I did get a laugh out of Boyd Pierce calling him 
Duggan and Dugan at the same time and claiming it was fine either way. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what was that? What the heck's he talking? He's like, it's either Duggan with two G's or Dugan. No, that's two different things, Boyd. He and I. And the only thing I could take from that was, I think that's just when he says that. As a fan, you hear that and you're like, oh, so Dugan is fine and I can call him that. And all that would do was make get more heat where Duggan would get mad at the fans when they would go, Dugan, Dugan. So I felt like that was just Boyd kind of just trying to be funny and he's being slick, although he's not laughing and he's not smirking. He's just saying, oh, yeah, you can call him either or it's fine. But in the back of his mind, he's going, I know he's going to get mad when you call him Dugan. So I, I, that's what I, I felt like that's what that was. It might not have been, but I felt like that's what it was. Yeah, I don't know. He may be getting hot at Bill Watts each week, calling him Dugan. That may be what that is. But <laughs> with that, we close out another episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. And, of course, you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Also want to remind everyone that if you want to access our RSS feed, you can go directly to midsouthpod.com. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Well, first, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it. A lot of times I'll post various clips that Brian and I discuss and post them on Twitter. So, yeah, give me a follow there. And then come check out Book in the Territory with myself, Hard Body Hopper, and Doc Turner. Twice per week, we drop shows on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. Thursday night is our NWA Saturday night on TBS Recaps. And Sunday nights, we drop our shows, the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps. Just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Or go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod. I will warn you, as I always do, we are the unprofessional wrestling podcast. The jokes are terrible. It's not politically correct, but we have fun talking old school Southern wrestling. I appreciate all the feedback we get on the show, Brian. It's been another fun week. And next week, we welcome Paul Bosch into the show, and that should be an entertaining one nonetheless. So let's see what happens there. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!